Hello, fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and it is our one-year anniversary, so we are welcoming back Lady Pym to talk about sex with us. Lady Pym, tell us what is new with you since we heard from you in season two. I believe I went back to in-person work since then. So I've been in-person in the dungeon, kicking people's butts, and just living my best life generally. (laughs) How have you been, Ray? I've been great. I've made some life changes over the past year. Good, good. Like um, leaving Oasis Aqua Lounge, which um, mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. this this weekend that this episode comes out is going to be my last weekend being their official event coordinator. So that's there you go. exciting because I too have been doing a little bit more other work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Moving on, moving on up, baby. Trying to. Yeah, I'm leading yeah. sex ed workshops now. I finished my sex education course and it became very clear that uh, I needed to make some schedule changes if I wanted to actually be a sex educator. Amazing. Good for you. So and huge contra- congratulations going your way. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. You should be. Shall we get into today's article? I would love to. Okay. So listeners, we're doing things a little bit differently. The article that I have today is long and honestly covers a lot of ground. So instead of me summarizing it, and then we talk about it, because I honestly couldn't pick what to summarize, I'm going to uh, just start quoting it, and Lady Pym will stop me when she has an opinion, and I will stop when I have an opinion. Does that (laughs) work? Sounds good. Okay, great. It works great. (laughs) The article is called The Problem with Being Cool About Sex, and it's from The Atlantic, September 3rd, 2021. This is a piece that discusses it's, it's basically a book review of multiple books of different authors uh, who are writing about sex and sexuality. So it's discussing different authors' takes on sexuality and sexual expression. And my one-sentence summary, how do we reconcile our sex-positive attitudes towards sex while also being aware that not all aspects of sex are feminist or positive? And it really discusses a lot of the issues with porn, but also how we contradict ourselves on an individual versus societal level. Yeah, so. this is this is interesting because I'm a person that professionally, as a dominatrix, um, I professionally work in the business of taboos, right, and subversion. So this article was very interesting for me because this is kind of the stuff that I deal with, like on a daily basis, on whether I'm practicing ethically, you know. Yeah. Some things I butt, butt up against is like, since we're, you know, talking like uh, about some feminist um, topics today, like things, for instance, like the kink uh, feminization or sissification, um, stuff like that is uh, something I'll only do in a very limited capacity, you know, um, things that like make fun of men for being uh, girly, you know, for being weak physically, all of these kind of interesting kinks that, um, it makes sense why people are attracted to them because it's that subversive, uh, kind of thing that they're exploring, you know, all their fears surrounding not being quote unquote, not being a man or a real man, you know, and what that means and how that, um, not only affects our eroticism and our sexuality, but also like our identities. So like going outside of the bedroom as well, how we carry ourselves in the world, which is exactly what this article is about. So I'm like, ah, 
Lovely. Yeah, I thought you'd like this one. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate you. Well, I w- I've had a few different people sort of reach out to me on social media, both the OnlyFans and Instagram, as- basically acting like they've paid me for something that they haven't paid me for. But they're always asking for me to some for some sort of like verbal humiliation for free half yes. the time. One guy paid me and I was like, oh, sure, I'll try it. Um, I don't like it. But I've noticed so many of these men are like, talk about how small my penis is. And I'm like, I don't care. And yeah. You, like, yeah, it, you care funny. about this more than I do. Yes. SPH is also one of those interesting kind of taboo kinks that, you know, uh, it can be problematic, you know, if you're not doing it in an ethical way, where you're also reinforcing the fact that all bodies are beautiful and, you know, um, like uh, highlighting, you know, all, all the affirmations surrounding, surrounding dicks that don't look like the dicks that we see in pornography, um, you know, and just having this kind of consciousness surrounding the kinks we practice. I think we can do it ethically if we move forward in that way, um, in uh, really defining, like, what is reality and what is the fantasy here? And are we both um, consenting to be a part of this fantasy that we're creating? And how can we keep that separate from the reality, um, the realities that we hold and how we walk through life? So yeah, definitely. I'm so glad you're here today. So I'm just going to start quoting the article. Let's get into it. Let's do it. It says it's so it's the article says it so well, and I don't. So we're going to start with this quote. The tropes of internet porn have saturated our lives and colored our expectations of sex. That's my first quote, which there's more about porn later, so I might come back to that one. But I also, I don't disagree. I don't disagree either. Um, I mean, I can definitely see both sides of this um, and how people consume people consume porn very subjectively right so to have a blanket statement of kind of all porn is toxic and it makes us feel bad about ourselves and and treat other people badly as well both in and out of the bedroom you know that's kind of a hard thing to stand behind but I can definitely see how if you are consuming porn in a way where you're not realizing that this is for entertainment purposes and not reality or education educational purposes, then yeah, you might, you might misinterpret some of this stuff, um, you know, that this is what sex looks like, and this is how you should do this sex. And um, it can be very dangerous if you're um, not being, again, like ethical and conscious about the type of entertainment that you're consuming. I, I think about the story that I've told on this podcast before is I used to work with teenagers, and they would very casually say, choke me, daddy, because it's a yeah, phrase yeah, they yeah, were yeah. hearing. And that, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh my God. Um, but I'm like, do you, are you actually trying it or is it just a thing you're saying? And do you all feel like this is what you're going to be expected to do? Or are you just entertain? Like there was a lot of questions about that. That being said, some people are really into choking. Most certainly myself included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this is a very big statement of it's saturated our lives and colored expectations. Yes, that's true. But is this a positive or a negative is a very individual experience. And definitely. Yeah. Someone who would have been into BDSM now knows about something a lot sooner that they didn't need to wait until they were 25 to find out about. And other people who might not be into that are now feeling like it might be expected. You know what I mean? That's the complicated conversation. This is why we need to have better sex education. I'm going to go into the next quote. Yeah. So our enlightened values, less stigma regarding unwed mothers, the acceptance of homosexuality, greater economic freedom for women, the availability of contraception and the embrace of consent culture haven't translated into anything like a paradise of guilt-free fun. 
The sexual double standard still exists, and girls who say no are still frigid, and those who say yes are still sluts. Some men still act with entitlement, while others feel that no matter what they do, they are inescapably positioned as the bad guys by the new sexual rules. Half a century after the sexual revolution and the start of second-wave feminism, why are the politics of sex still so messy, fraught, and contested? And then a few topics that they then discuss as examples, which we'll go into, are porn, bad sex, unentangling what we want from what we've been training ourselves to want, and then I have a lot more quotes on each of those different topics. But any thoughts before I go into those? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily even agree with the very first part of it of like being like all these policies have changed, but the culture is not. Reality is that all of these policies have not changed. Like we, we, you know, in Texas, you can't force a twelve-year-old girl to wear a mask, but you can force her to have a baby. You know, um, so there's that. <laughs> That's the very first thing that strikes me. And then the second thing is that to me, I feel like yeah, the politics of sex and like the actual culture of sex um, are two very separate things, and I don't really think they have a lot to do with each other. But um, yeah, I feel like people that were um, cultured and brought up with conservative politics surrounding sex, maybe a religious background, for instance, um, that they are going to continue to carry those values going forward into the uh, into them into adulthood. So, you know, a lot of us who are of adult age are, you know, we're, we've learned all we need to learn about sex, which is nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> you know, talking about sex ed, um, you know, and you just think you know it at this point. So you're, you're not going to change despite a policy changing about something. Yeah. One thing that really frustrates me is uh, this oversimplification of sex and sexuality that you get in a lot of spaces. I understand as someone who has made their career sex, and I think you to a certain Same. extent understand as someone who works <laughs> in this, in the sex industry, that uh, sex is not simple. And sex is no. not easy. And consent is actually not simple. But we're no. selling this idea that it is. Therefore, everyone should have figured it out already. And it's... Yes. it's What? Consent is... Uh, there was like a span of five years where we we're like, you need to get verbal consent and only verbal consent matters. And now the conversation is shifting, or at least I know it's shifted for me, that verbal consent is one piece of the puzzle. And verbal consent isn't something that everyone is actually comfortable giving because they've been how they've been socialized. So we need to be having more complicated conversations, but you can only have them when you have good sex ed that teaches the basics starting in kindergarten. Of consent. Yeah. 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 Like bodily autonomy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and the other thing about verbal consent is, is somebody can say yes to something, but feel, um, you know, feel a no, you know. Yeah. So there's that other nuance of it not being it really not being black and white. It's right. like people can give enthusiastic verbal consent and still not want to do the thing and forcing themselves or feel forced to do the thing. Yes. And the sentence about, you know, men are now inescapably positioned as bad guys or act with entitlement or, or those feelings. I think it's just really interesting how everyone's just trying to do their best to be a good person for the most part. But it's yeah, just I think not that's that easy. very optimistic. Uh, to say that even, but okay, that's true. The men that I have surrounded myself with are trying to do their best. Yeah. Um, the I, men I let in my circles, I let them in my circles because they are trying to do their best. Or more like those are the people who <laughs> I will then continue to be friends with later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I saw a TikTok yesterday that was 
this person talking about how like women are just as entitled and we don't talk about it. And this guy said something like, yes, women can be entitled. And I have had my butt grabbed without permission. But the difference is if I say no, thank you, I've never worried about will I get murdered? And I'm like, that is very true. And women at Oasis Aqua Lounge are so fucking entitled sometimes. (laughs) And they have grabbed me. And I am not okay with it. And I've been like, you need to ask. It is true that like women do get away with a lot more entitlement than men do now. There's but a, systematically, yes. that's not the case. Systematically, yeah. absolutely not. But I would say that like there's definitely social, certain social interactions and that if you take as a one-off, you'd be like very confused as to why men are never the victim. And I'm like, well, if, if the only interactions you're having are with entitled women in bars, I could see why you'd be confused because we're not having these conversations about the overarching societal structures and why that is the case. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. From like my experience is, you know, having I'm just I'm sure it's not dissimilar to your experience of having like an open online sexy persona. You know, my experience is that people were comment under my pictures that I would look better with black hair and should do that. Oh, you know. Wow, you know, that's stuff, nice of them. stuff stuff like that and it's like wow, I to even dissect that is it's wild how somebody can get to a place um you know through how they have been cultured as cis white het men um where they can think that they can just give unsolicited beauty advice to somebody that is a complete stranger and think that's okay and literally i'll post something about it um basically saying this is why i got into uh femdom work is to dismantle this um you know, systematic male privilege. Um, and, you know, maybe I can do it in this cool way, right? Where we're really breaking down some of these long held, like just ancient traditional mores surrounding um, how we interact, like between all the sexes. And uh, oh, the comment sections are alight. <laughs> they are on absolute fire of other men saying, you know, then playing the victim of like, well, we can't even give someone a compliment anymore. I'm like, a no. compliment is That's one not thing. a compliment. You didn't give that me is, a compliment. No, it is not. Like, I like pegging men, but do I go around saying that two men I don't know that they would look better with their asshole stretched? No, I do not. Like, it's just so... Have you considered starting your conversations that way moving forward and seeing how that goes for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But like the fact that they just are completely unaware because this education, this work has not been done early enough, you know. Yeah. It's a shame that now that now the sex workers are stuck with them. (laughs) Well, you know, someone's got to teach them. Yes. And if you pay my consult fee, I would love to. If anybody, you know, needs to be learned about stuff like this, I have a great consulting fee. It's very competitive. Hire me. Hi, pay, pay me quote of my day quote yep. of my year okay yep. i'm gonna go back to quoting the article because there's we have we have more okay we hear from um amia srinivasan a professor teaching feminist theory at oxford by the way any of my patreon subscribers we actually read a summary of her book uh, uh, on a previous patreon episode so listen to the patreon sex news with ray dot Patreon.com sections of the words. Okay, we hear from... That was the worst advertisement ever. They know what I'm saying. Amy Srinivasan, <laughs> a professor teaching feminist theory at Oxford. Her Gen Z students still want to talk about porn and some of the problems with it. Could it be that pornography doesn't merely depict the subordination of women, but actually make it real, I asked? Yes, they said. Does porn silence women, making it harder for them to protest against unwanted sex and harder for men to hear those protests? 
Yes, they said. Does porn bear responsibility for the objectification of women, for the marginalization of women, for sexual violence against women? Yes, they said. Yes to all of it. It wasn't just the women students talking. The men were saying yes as well, in some cases even more emphatically. My male students complained about the routines they were expected to perform in sex. One of them asked whether it was too utopian to imagine sex was loving and mutual and not about domination and submission. And we've also heard earlier in the article from porn performers who feel they're expected to perform the way they do in porn, but in intimate situations, and they just want to be asked out for a nice meal and regular sex. Again, not wrong. Yeah, porn negative, uh, you know, conversations are not new. One of the reasons yes. I tend not to have them is because in my mind, they're kind of the standard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I kind of skew away from that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that, yes, there are many violent depictions towards women in porn and the way the algorithms work in porn doesn't necessarily show you a variety of things. It shows you certain what's things. popular. Yeah. And what's yeah, popular. What can, yeah. And sometimes, and frequently that can be very degrading to women. Yeah. And when you don't, again, you're not consuming porn in a literate way of realizing that this is a fantasy that is being provided and this is not an actual way you should treat someone unconsensually. Um, you know, we don't see things in porn like the negotiation process before a kink scene. We don't see aftercare. We don't see in between takes the ongoing consent conversations that might be happening uh, during these shoots. We just see this this uh, finished product and take it for face value if you're not porn literate. Well, reality isn't hot. You're not going to porn because you want reality. You're going to porn because you want something that you can't necessarily have or wouldn't happen in real life. Yeah, you want to be entertained. Yeah, and you want to skip through the... Well, I know a lot of the guys skip through the dialogue. I need the full 10 minutes in order to get into the invested in the plot before they tie each other up and beat each other. Yeah. But that's yep. just me. <laughs> Apparently. Exactly. I'm just kidding. As somebody who runs porn watch parties, that's not just me. So... Yeah. No, for me, I'm like, you know, my other thing with like the porn negative conversations are like, well, I create porn that's ethical and that does show all these kinds of nuanced uh, moments surrounding like consent and um, empathy and caring for each other and love and sensuality and all of this stuff. And I know a lot of porn companies that do the same. So it's like, you know. If, if you don't like that type of porn, yeah, this is what is being pushed at you. Um, and that is what you will see when you go to, you know, Pornhub or porn.com or anything like that. But it's like, okay, but that's also your choice to watch different porn. It's around. You just have to look for it. And even, dare I say, pay for it. <laughs> But it's there. We have a lot of friends who are like adult content creators who create lovely porn. So like, yeah, go on Twitter and just follow follow them and then pay them. I had a friend say something to me like, I would never pay for porn because I can get it for free. I mean, he's cheap. But he was like, I don't understand why people would pay. And I'm like, dude, it's the porn equivalent of shopping local. And some people want to be connected to their content providers. Yes, that's a huge draw for like the way kind of the porn industry runs now, right? Where you can actually have a, a back and forth with your favorite porn actor on Twitter. You can actually tip them and, you know, ha talk to them. It's like a really cool aspect to this now. I have my super fans that, uh, you know, can DM me on Instagram and also tell me when I have typos in my posts. So like... <laughs> Love that. Love an editor, uh, you know, like sub. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, no, but I do. I do have fans who like are super fans and honestly, like they're... I don't mind texting someone or creating a little bit of free shit every once in a while when you're actually treating me like a person and paying me a consistent amount all the time. You know, Certainly. like that, like it's almost like we're people. Almost. You know? It's almost like we're people 
And when you don't have a very big following, you can actually interact with your fans. Yes. Almost. The thing of like, I don't pay for my porn is like, okay, well then... I'm going to, you know, I'm going to posit that you're not seeing this person then as a person doing a job who deserves to get paid for their job, you know, well, for I their mean, hard work. And you are consuming the product of it. So it's like, it's a disconnect. Some people see it more like how you illegally stream content rather than paying for Netflix. Right. But, you know, who's I mean, being affected by this? You oh, know, yeah. Net, the corporation that is Netflix or these people, these actual people creating this like lovely sex scene for you. Well, once again, you and I steeped in this culture, very mm -hmm. aware of these kinds of conversations and having them. I think the majority of, of people just are just genuinely not aware of any of this. Yeah. And, you know, not don't care to be. Yeah. OK, so I'm going to go back to the, the article because there's like more nuance to to this, I'm going to jump around because there was another quote lower down that I think directly relates to this, which is, uh, what's more, desire makes hypocrites of us all. Srinivasan reports that some of the feminists who watch the hardcore slideshows prepared by Women Against Pornography as part of its tours of Times Square in the 1970s were turned on rather than repulsed by the abhorrent filth they were there to condemn. There you have it. Meaning that, like, women who don't want to be degraded or objectified in real life will still get turned on by hardcore degrading porn. Yeah, because it's a fantasy versus reality. Like, it's just a fantasy. It's a game. It's play. It's a television show. Like, it doesn't mean that you want to be treated like that in real life. Or maybe you do want to be treated that way in real life, but it's consensual. Like, it's completely different. These are two completely different things. The idea of getting turned on by watching degrading porn and then wanting to be degraded either in or out of the bedroom in real life. They're completely, completely separate things. Well, that and I, I don't know if you've read Come As You Are, but Emily Nagoski talks a lot about uh, sexual non-concordance. Mm, no, I haven't read it, but I shopped oh there Oh my God. You... <laughs> <laughs> Just a little nice. plug for comeasyour.com. That's all. That's amazing. Um, so, what the, I mean, I have to read the new version because apparently some of the, the science has, there's been new science, so I have to reread it. But okay. one of the things she talks about is sexual non-concordance. And so you can watch women in general overall might be able to watch something that is like literally monkeys mating and your body will respond because it is sexual imagery, but that doesn't mean that you're aroused. Oh, so okay. there, maybe the women were turned on as in mentally aroused. Maybe they had a physical response to watching people being penetrated. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I'm listening. I'm not saying that this is not, you know, maybe the women were aroused and, and, and also having a physical response. And that was true. But a lot of these things talking about, oh, well, those women were actually turned on by it. There's, there wasn't enough science back then to differentiate mm. between those two responses. So mm -hmm. I wonder if we did this again and we were able to measure like physical response versus like actually acknowledging, yes, they enjoyed this and would put it on, on their, in their spare time. Those might be two different questions. So I wonder if anyone's doing research into that. I would love to see that as well. I have a feeling no one's doing that, but... <laughs> if only we if became sexologists instead and we're in academia toiling away in a lab. <laughs> I've heard it's not all it's cracked up to be. No. <laughs> From my sexologist friends. And getting funding is, I'm sure, very difficult. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no studies being funded for stuff like this, unfortunately. And there should be. It's fascinating. But there should be. Yeah, I agree. Well, but, you know, agree. let's try and do more autopsies to discover if the G-spot actually exists. But, you know, <laughs> scientifically yeah. it doesn't, but mentally it does, if you know what I mean. Oh, lordy. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's, no, that's like another thing. Like, apparently the G-spot doesn't, like, actually exist in terms of, like, right. you cannot find it 
on an autopsy, there's or like when you when you you cannot scan for it. But what you can scan for is does it feel good when you touch that spot? Yes, then do it again. Yeah. Anyway, and can I feel the texture of it on my finger when I'm topping a G spot? Yeah. Sex or scene or play? Then well, then yes, great. I can feel it. I can then feel it when I got it on my finger. Then it fucking exists. Yeah. And there you go. There and you also, uh, you know, so let's just keep funding science to rediscover the clitoris every two years, but we can't <laughs> find out about arousal. Yeah. Or debating surrounding whether squirt is pee or not. And it, and I mean, the result is we don't care because it feels good when it happens. So who, honestly, who the fuck cares? So many studies were like, it is not pee. If you actually measure it, it's pee. One study comes out that says that the bladder was empty after the person squirted. Therefore, yeah. it must be pee. But people who yeah. have actually analyzed the squirt juice, it's not yeah. pee. But one study comes out and even the people who did the study were like, that's not what we're saying. So like they weren't even measuring whether or not it was pee. They were just measuring where like where it comes from. And people were like, it's pee. We all know it comes out the urethra. We already know that. We all know that it comes from the skein's glands. Oh, wait, we don't? Yeah. No, we do. Okay. Yeah. Another quote. Ahem. Being available for sex is the mark of a liberated woman, but so is the ability to refuse it. Srinivasan observes that, for all our permissiveness, our language still lacks the words to describe the many varieties of bad sex that do not rise to the criminal <laughs> standard of rape or assault. A woman going on with a sex act she no longer wants to perform, knowing she can get up and walk away, but knowing at the same time that this will make her a blue-balling tease, an object of male contempt. There is more going on here than mere ambivalence, unpleasantness, and regret, she writes. There is also a kind of coercion, the informal regulatory system of gendered sexual expectations. Yes, so that's like yeah. two quotes together, obviously, or like two, that's two thoughts together. Yeah. I'm laughing at, at, at laughing and agreeing at the fact that yes, we don't have enough words to describe bad sex. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Not all bad sex is assault. No, not shitty. at all. No. And I mean, sex can be really shitty in so many different ways that we literally don't have the vocabulary. I love that. That's Maybe we should so true. spend a minute trying to describe the different kinds of bad sex that are not assault. Just to give examples sure. for the listeners, I'm thinking yeah, about yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're having sex with someone and they're not listening to your direction. And so it's just not as nice as it could be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you are trying to communicate, you know, and advocate for yourself and your own pleasure. But, you know, the thing of being told the thing and then doing the thing, there, there's a bit of a learning curve. There can be there a bit of a block, you know, it's like here. No, here. No, here. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even like this one guy who was like. Uh, sorry, mom. Uh, there was this one guy I hooked up with once off of Tinder and he was like fingering me. But the way he was doing it, like, was like the curved fingers, but like literally felt like a forearm jackhammer, if you know what I mean. And then yes. he's like, have you come yet? And I was like, well, no, because I come from clitoral stimulation like most women, but also you're being too rough. And he was like, OK, I'm like, you need to be more gentle. And he was like, OK, so he would go gentle for like two or three thrusts and then go back to the jackhammer. Yeah, like, that's common. That's so common. That thing of they listen momentarily and then they fall back into what they were doing before. That's yeah. so common, I think. And then you as the receiver, you're kind of like, oh, I could correct the person again or I could just wait for it to yeah, like, stop. Could I have gotten up and walked out? Yeah. Sure. Was I wondering if this would get better? Yes. Yes, I was hoping maybe they would stop and we would move on to another activity that I like better. Or yeah. maybe I'll interrupt them in a couple minutes, you know, yeah. and because and, and, you're trying to, it's the nuance of like, 
maybe, you know, it's not, I don't want to be a tease. Maybe that's not it. But maybe it's like, I want to kind of protect this person's feelings. I want them to enjoy this as well, you know? So yes. like sometimes we just do some shit that we are feel fairly neutral about, but we know the other person likes it. And so we do the thing because we want that person to be happy and turned yeah. on. And there's three and different kinds of sex. It's not. We just went over three different kinds that had nothing to do. Maybe my issue with this quote is, and maybe my issue with this in general is that I genuinely think it sees women as victims with no right. age. Like, like when you put things in this context, yes, patriarchy is shitty and makes victims of all fun, but there's no agency for women in this kind of a discussion. There's no agency for the women who are choosing to make that hardcore porn or women who choose to watch that porn because they like it. And in this case, the woman who chooses to stay in maybe a, a crappy sexual situation for a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with coercion or being afraid of being called a tease. And as you said, sometimes you want to protect the feelings of your partner. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes it's just easier also. It's like, oh, I could say something, but also I could just not, and it'll be done in a couple minutes anyways. And yeah. we'll move on to, you know, again, just like the hope of like... Yeah, maybe. Or like, I don't <laughs> know. this will turn itself around. Sometimes you have sex Get- once and you know that it's a hookup and you're like, to be honest, I'm just going to like finish not come. I might not actually orgasm. She's going to finish this. I'll finish myself off later. I never have to have sex with this person again, but that doesn't mean I'm not learning something in this moment, which is I never want to have sex with this person again. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes hook up sex is bad and you go into that knowing that you're like, whatever, I'll just have some really penis centric sex. And, you know, because maybe that's just a thing that I'm craving or, or I whatever. Yeah, I just yeah. want to get railed. And it's not very good in the nuanced ways of did I <laughs> did I come? Did we use the toys I want? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it can be very nuanced in that way of like, well, I'm not going to really ask to go get a vibrator out. And if they have a vibrator at their apartment, because, you know, a lot of people probably won't if they're cis hat males, um, unless they have other female partners that like vibrators. It's like... There's a lot going on in our heads, people. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of. Okay. Mm. I I have a question for you. This is unrelated. I want your sure. opinion. I definitely texted every person I know in some sort of alternative lifestyle when someone asked me this question. You are seeing a, a guy. Maybe it's a hookup. Let's assume that you are hooking up with a guy. You go to his apartment, you hook up with a guy, and he pulls out a vibrator. Fabulous. And he wants to use it on you. What do you say? What do you do? I'm like, do you have a condom to throw on the end of that thing? That's what I thought you would say. <laughs> okay. So here's the funny thing is I was explaining uh, to this person. This was like a few months ago at this point. But I was explaining to this person that like if they are vanilla, they will not want to use it. And they might even walk out. And why? Because jealousy, you know, hetero, uh, what's the word? Uh, heteronormativity? Not heteronormativity. Um, oh, toxic monogamy culture. Monog- uh. Not even toxic, but monogamy culture of like, why do you have a vibrator? Are you seeing other girls? Is this mm. your exes? Like all those questions mm. for someone who's not in the lifestyle. And if you are in the lifestyle, your first question is going to be like, put a condom on that. And he was like, why wouldn't they just trust that I clean it? And I'm like, I, you don't know. We just, we will never trust you, that you clean you it. You just met this person and yeah, you have exactly. never ac- actively seen the their sex toy cleaning practices. And there's no rapport yeah, there's no rapport built up that you would have that trust. So what we do to advocate for our own health and safety is just say, put a condom on it because that we can control. We can control whether they have cleaned and sanitized, sanitized this toy to our um, expectations and needs. I just said sanitized and that is (laughs) brilliant. Yes. Take it. You should patent that. I am. I'm going to, I love it. Sanitize it. 
If Santa you could toys. please uh, tag sex news with Ray when you talk about that. <laughs> Hashtag Santa toys. Yeah. Get into it, people. Love it. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I just, I realized that maybe my, after having read this, I'm like, what is not sitting well with me here? And it's this victim right. culture. And right. like, yes, women can be victim. Men can be victims. Everyone can be a victim. And everyone is a victim of patriarchy, in my opinion. Yes. Not oh, just I agree. women. Mostly men. And we deal, women deal with the toxic masculinity men later in life. So it, it becomes our problem later in life. But yeah, um, yeah, we both, neither of us benefit from it. I would agree. Yeah. And so it just really frustrates me when you have this like, oh, women are not walking away because they're being coerced. And like women are not walking away because sometimes we're willing to put up with a less than ideal sexual situation because unfortunately we have a really low bar for having sex with cis hat men. I'm yeah. sorry, but we mm-hmm. do. <laughs> okay. I feel like uh, there's another kind of bad sex, which is the, they promised you they would do the thing and then they never do the thing. Oh, you have great dirty texting. You have great like dirty talk sexting for weeks leading up to this about all the things you enjoy and all of like how this is going to be. And then you get in the room and none of it is happening. Yes. So in uh, in the I think now in the vein of coming up with words to describe this, I would call that the unfulfilled promise bad sex versus the (laughs) um, what I like to call a little to the left bad sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. followed by we also discussed the uh um just not listening bad sex <laughs> the protect your feelings bad sex <laughs> so many types there's more i'm sure there's more we can move on but i'm sure there's more yeah i've even had it where like you um not that i really like differentiating between foreplay and sex because it's all the same thing it's all sex baby but say like the making out and that heavy petting is really good and then you get into the like piv penetration part and that is just terrible um but like the lead up was really good and then like you're kind of surprised by how bad the second part of this scene goes yeah Yeah. (laughs) and you're just like oh no oh i i might call that the disappointment um bad sex but well, I yeah, was just the thinking, 180, the 180 disappointed bad sex. I'm going to have, <laughs> I, I can't think of a better way to describe this next one other than it's biking season bad sex, which is what I call everything's just numb from belly button to knee. It's biking season. <laughs> We're like, normally the toy that works doesn't work right now. And normally everything, you can feel things with such heightened and everything's numb. Oh my God. And it's nobody's fault. But the bike. Yeah, but the bike. Nobody's fault bad sex or biking season bad sex, you know? <laughs> Hilarious. I was once describing something like they're like, why is your why are you going numb from riding your bike? Why don't you get a bike cover? I'm like, dude, like I still got to lean forward. I'm still bouncing around on that thing. Like, I, what? Where do your balls go oh, to I the side? It. Apparently. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Learn something new every day. Oh, yeah. I want to know people who bicycle like literally I was like, what do you mean? Where does your stuff? Where do you go? What is it? Do you just sit on them? No, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Someone's like, that's why they've got the channel in the middle for comfort. I'm like, I need to see someone really? sit on a bicycle naked. I don't understand. I need <laughs> I to see someone with a penis. Pretty... Yeah, yeah, I need to see someone with a penis. Please show me how you send me. I'm soliciting your nudes. It's going to be on the Patreon, folks. We're going to create some adult content. <laughs> yeah, I would go for that. <laughs> Solve the mystery. There it is. Sign up for the $10 tier. Call me. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go back to quoting. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, last quote. Oh, no, this isn't last quote. Last quote of this section. Okay. How can we un- 
untangle what people really want from what they are offered over and over and from what everyone else is being offered too. No one's sexual desires exist in a vacuum immune to outside pressures driven by capitalism. Call it the invisible hang job of the market. Haha. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is so true. Yeah, I think this was linked to um, uh, like uh, something like black women get approached the least on dating apps. Something like that. Asian men. Yeah, Yeah, Asian men. Something like that. And it's not necessarily because they're not attractive, but because we are not exposed to examples of those people being seen as attractive often enough. So your brain doesn't make that connection. Yes, definitely. And not enough erotic imagery um, that's legitimately diverse, like, you know, disabled folks, folks of all ages, of all skin colors, of all body types. Yeah, totally. And how I, I, this kind of addresses how people's sexual preferences, you know, um, if you really dissect them and look down into them, like that it's just true racism that uh, you have going on. You know, if you like to, if you look at your Tinder, Tinder bio, you know, and it has the preferences of the kind of people you want to connect with it's like ooh, that could some of that shit can be deeply problematic and people don't even realize that they're like oh well i can i'm allowed to prefer different different things it's like mm, okay well i bet i just bet when you put it really... in your profile you're only gonna get that because and only people who are racist like you yeah there you go because you've scared away everybody else yeah yes yeah Terrible. or i guess the other one would be like twinks only or bears only or exactly yeah yep. Yep. You're fat phobic. Just mm-hmm. say it. Yep. I, it drives me crazy. We find, we as humans can find a very broad range of people and body shapes and colors and whatever. Like we can find a broad range of things desirable if we just let ourselves be, you know, step beyond what we've been trained to think is desirable, but you need to actually con- consciously expose yourself to more imagery that's it because that's the capitalism thing where that comes in. It's like, if you're not doing that extra work, you know, then yes, you will be influenced by what is being pushed at you, which is white fit, um, bodies, yeah. you know, like- I'm glad I found Oasis when I was like 1920 because I was exposed to these thoughts pretty much from age of, yeah, early, I would say so. Um, you know, also in those formative university years when your mind is a sponge and you're learning all the time. And being able to see a wide variety of bodies and a wide variety of people and, you know, and a wide variety of people who also found themselves attractive, which I think is just as important. Definitely. Yeah. It, again, this this thing is affecting um, everyone, right? Um, in all different ways. So I agree. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, my, yeah. Next, my next section is I have titled, But What About Men? Uh, so we get some, what about them? (laughs) Well, in this case, it's talking about, um, like how porn is affecting men and how these sexual attitudes are affecting men. So most people are not sociopathic slaves to their libido. And most men when having sex with a woman would like her to enjoy it too. Heterosexual men get to work out here. The aggression they feel towards their own weakness, towards their own vulnerability to desire. They're talking about aggressive porn, I think. The most misogynistic porn is a displacement of anxiety into a fantasy of control. Guys who choke bitches don't secretly worry that they can't get it up. So it's like three different thoughts. But, you know, number one, men overall actually do want women to enjoy the sex. And even the men who like aggressive sex want the woman to enjoy the sex that they're having together. They want them to enjoy the aggression. If they're, they're not, having consensually aggressive, aggressive sex, then yeah. Yeah, I meant more yeah. in, yes, consen- mm-hmm. I'm, yes, consensually. Um, 
So it's talking about, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear about, once again, penis size, the ability to perform. And so if you're watching these aggressive men who are on Viagra choking, choking people, uh, this, this fantasy that like, okay, well, these are people who clearly never have erectile dysfunction issues and their mind is clearly never disconnected from their dicks. And these men never have sexual non-concordance. Because once again, we don't see the behind the scenes. Right. Or know? the fact that they're all on Viagra. Yeah. And they're all fluffing each other and they're all <laughs> calling yep. their girlfriends to try and dirty talk them off. Like, oh, really? Tell me more. I oh, didn't know yes. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for the cum shot, you know, all sorts of bizarre stuff happens because people, people, not even porn stars can come on cue necessarily, right? <laughs> so it's like all this stuff you may not see of they're watching porn on the phone in their hand, you know, while they're... Uh, jerking off and they're that's not in the shot obviously but that's right because oh you're railing this porn star of course you'd be turned on and want to come in her and it's like uh they themselves are people with thoughts yep not necessarily maybe this scene isn't about their kind of top five you know kinks or storylines or whatever it is you know um and that's stuff we just again taking porn at face value right um and just making assumptions about, um, I mean, a lot of the porn creators are not creating ethical porn in this way either. So it's like twofold in that they're only showing us, you know, the perfect kind of finished product and the receivers are receiving it as reality. Once again, not a fan, a fantasy for entertainment purposes that's being created. So, and you know, it's again, the thing of pushing the most popular bodies, for instance, like the big dicks, the fit white men, Etc. They're et never honestly though. Like the women are always hotter. Oh, I I rarely look at the men. Honestly, well, I look at the men. <laughs> I'm looking at men, and I'm always excited when there's a porn star that I'm physically attracted to. Yeah, but yeah, honestly, yeah. even with the women, like sometimes I'm looking at the women. I'm like, I'm not attracted to this woman, but I'm attracted to the act that they're doing. Yes, but I enjoy the porn so much more when I'm attracted to both of them, and I'm attracted to the act that they're doing. But I find that, like, there's certain body modifications that I just, like, it. I can't watch it because I'm just not into it. Yeah. And uh, totally. those body modifications are incredibly prevalent in porn, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. I kind of have a sneaking suspicion of what you're talking about. But, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, this idea of, like... Um, this quote unquote unrealistic rep- representation in mainstream porn that we're being presented with is creating, you know, um, the feedback that it's creating from the, its watchers is that they are not that, so they don't feel good enough. And, you know, this this type of stuff is reinforced not only in porn. I, I always like to point this out. If you're going to point the finger at porn for creating unrealistic expectations surrounding how we relate gender to gender, it's like, well, also look at all the TV shows you're watching, all the movies you're watching, and be as critical about them as you are as these porn, because they're just as toxic as to what sex looks like, what relationships look like, what dating's supposed to look like, all these, like, you know, scripts written by old white men, uh, cishet men, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, the sex showing scene is always, us. The sex scene is always penetration only, and they come at the same time. At least in porn, they're doing anal. 
and she's enjoying yeah. it. You know, hey, like, there you go. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They're yes. eating each other. They've got their mouths all over each other. You know, yeah. at least there's analing is important. But you know what I mean? It's it's the same type of stuff that is literally in our media culture everywhere, informing us that this is what men look like and this is what men need to act like and this is how you get laid. And the same thing for women on the other end of it. So we're all being affected by it. Um, and yeah, that, that little quote was specifically talking how men are affected by it, but yeah, we, everybody of all genders is being affected by all this toxic heteronormative bullshit. Um, equally, I I think personally, I have three quotes left. Are you ready? Oh, baby. (laughs) Okay. So the next two are all about contradictions. So yet the difficulty of reconciling her two positions, sexual boundaries are sacrosanct at an individual level, but racist or transphobic or ableist at a population level is one of the reasons for Nevison appends a 30-page coda to her 19-page original essay. At times, you sense her utopian yearning to dissolve these contradictions. If only good liberals found everybody equally attractive. Which I thought everything about that was really funny because yep. there is this, this, what does it mean to be a good left person? Well, if you're truly the best left person, you find everyone attractive and all of these ideas that you have are lived out in your body and there's the ideal and then there's how you actually feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. was fascinating to me. And then the last one here, which I think is interesting. Women are allowed to talk openly about sex, like objectifying the hot Duke from Bridgerton, but male desire is classified as locker room vulgarity or pathetic neediness. As it should be. <laughs> From the dominatrix. <laughs> Sorry, am I sh- is my femdom showing? Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but I, I mean, that, that again is the thing of systematically, okay, what, why women are allowed to and men aren't, aren't is because systematically it's the reverse, right? So, um, you know, you've, you've made your bed, so... I don't think there's anything wrong with a uh, a group of male friends choosing to speak about someone's body. I think the problem is when you hire someone based off of their body or you harass someone based off of their body. And there is no group of women out there denying jobs to men because of how they look historically or making them eat them out in order to get the job or... You yeah, know, exactly. Or Systematic like, stuff. or like telling, smacking someone on the ass and telling him to get them coffee because that's all he's good for. Like that doesn't actually exist, as you were saying, systematic. So there's once again a very big difference between the individual and the system. And I think my the thing I would uh, ask people to observe in themselves: Are you doing this in a setting that is inappropriate, or only appropriate settings like once again a private conversation with friends that's casual? You know, like you can be sitting at cocktails with the ladies for a stereotype, for lack of a better stereotype, and be talking about, oh, that guy is so hot. Did you see the Duke from Bridgerton? And a group of guys can talk about like, oh, yes. Have you seen, I don't know, Mila Jovovich in that outfit from The Fifth Element? I can, what do men talk about? Um, <laughs> Probably not that uh, particular not anymore. character. I that is feeling. actually one character that I gay, heard guys. Gay talk. women will talk about that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, what do men, what do straight, who do straight men like? Scarlett Johansson's How do I think like a straight? Mm, there we go. I had it. There, Scarlett one. Johansson's butt. That is one that I remember hearing guys talk about in high school. Like, ah, oh, she's got the best butt. And I'm like, okay. Like, but okay. you know. I'm like, you know what? Honestly, like, there are worse things to talk about. Like, saying that you want to kidnap Scarlett Johansson and do horrible things to her body would be much more problematic, in my opinion. Yeah, like, you can you can think whatever the fuck, but the, the issue also becomes, like, are you going to now harass Scarlett Johansson on her Twitter? Are you going to comment under every picture about that ass, you know, without yeah. her consent um, or without even fucking knowing her 
at all. You know, yeah. like that, that's when it becomes an issue. It's like, like we were saying at the beginning, it's like, um, you can think that I should have black hair, that I would look better with black hair. But the minute that you involve me, um, you know, in, in, in that, that in that opinion, like that's not consensual. So that's therefore you are harassing me. Like yeah. unsolicited advice from someone, some faceless profile on Twitter. The Brendan Fraser internet debacle where people body shamed him and yeah. millions of people came to him his defense basically saying, you fuck right off. Brendan Fraser is more than his body. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. yeah. There's still things like there's TikToks objectifying Brendan Fraser and George of the Jungle and a million people defending his his changes to his physical appearance. I think that's lovely. Why aren't why aren't we doing that when people body shame, you know, female celebrities? Just saying. Like, yeah. why why don't people well, get because, as enraged about stuff like that? Because the people defending Brendan Fraser were were women. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's subversive now. So. The, you know that's yeah. why but uh, would that happen to women do you know do yeah. other men get enraged enraged that men are objectifying whomever cardi b <laughs> just saw a great video about cardi b she's so silly love her <laughs> uh feel free to link and we can put it in the show notes <laughs> nice <laughs> it was a nardwar video <laughs> if you've ever watched nardwar i have not Oh my God, he's a great interviewer and he pulls out like the randomest shit from their past. And like the whole thing is that he's trying to surprise them and be like, how did you know that? What, you know, band I was in in high school. That's and now you're hilarious. You have the album in your hand, stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. He did okay. it with Cardi. Yeah, feel free to, uh, <laughs> once again, feel free to link me. Um, I will. And then I will watch it. The whole article ends by saying, we will never simply want the things we should. <laughs> The, enough per, said. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's not how eroticism works. Often we eroticize things that... Because um, we should not want them. There you have it. That, because of that. the taboo. Very that. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you, you know, explore that consensually, if you're involving other people, then all the power to you. Like, that's why my job exists. That's what I do in my job. That's the whole point of my job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but the minute you do it, you know, unethically and problematically, then that's a fucking issue, right? So, yeah. So we're gonna take a short break, and then we've got a listener question for you, where your Lovely. inner femdom can come out. Fabulous. Hello, everybody. We really want to be able to devote our time to giving you entertaining and educational sex content, and we really don't want to have to run ads. If you like what we do, help us pay our bills so we can keep doing it. Join us at patreon.com slash sexnewswithray. We have three options for the Patreon. You can officially join the Deviants Defining Elite for $3 US a month, and we'll shout you out on an episode. For $6.66 a month, become a fuck demon and get two bonus episodes every month on top of the shout out. I'll be reading sex news fresh off the press. You can join me twice a month for that. For $18 a month, Help us live the high life, and we'll throw you some merchandise in exchange. To support the podcast, head to patreon.com slash sexnewswithray and sign up now. Welcome back, Lady Pim. Are you ready? Hello, the readiest. What advice can you give someone who wants to be a dom but doesn't know what to say with their mouth when actually doming? What to say with your mouth hole. Yeah, it, it, um, I, I feel like this advice kind of seems like common sense, but some people just don't think of it. I'm like... I would ask the person what they want to hear. Tell me what you want to be called, baby. Um, might not be baby. <laughs> you know, tell me some phrases. Like, 
tell me three different phrases. Here's the thing. If we're going to do a scene together, I'm like, what's like a phrase that really gets you in the mood, meaning gets you in a subby mindset. Um, if that's the kind of scene that we're doing, gets you in your body, um, you know, out of your head and in your body gets you to drop in to the moment, um, to connecting with me. What's a phrase I could use to do that? Um, give me a phrase to use in the middle of the scene. So something that maybe would be encouraging you to get through the pain. If it's a pain play scene, you know what I mean? Something that you want to hear during, you know, whatever the longest activity we're going to do, like the main activity we're going to do, um, what would help you, uh, you know, sustain that. And then for the end, I'm like, what do you want to hear? What are the phrases you want to hear right when you want to come? Like, tell me about it. You know what I mean? Um, what are the words? What are the things I could call you that would really get you off? Like right at the end of the scene. So right there we have three phrases. And then we also have some information as to like what they would like to be called. So once you know those types of things, you can kind of become, uh, you can begin to improvise laterally, right? Saying stuff that's like similar to those things. Um, another thing you can do is just like write a little a little script between the two of you. If you really um, are having a lot of trepidation surrounding like improvising verbally, then like, you know, who's to say that the two of you can't get together and like write a hot little scene and then memorize it? That's fine too. Um, and a thing that I have done in the past when I needed to kind of practice some of this stuff, just like surrounding like public speaking, you know, um, just speaking out loud to another person in a sexy setting, I would like be recording on my phone, just like monologuing basically through a scene, talking through a scene, basically like a JOI video where you're talking right to the camera and you're describing what you're doing to them or you're describing what you want them to do. Um, it's really great practice. You really, you don't have to send that to anybody. That can just be your little practice video that you're recording for yourself that you can watch back and, you know, learn from it and see what worked, see what felt authentic, see what felt really hot, and then take those ones, maybe write them down and then bring them to a partner situation. Um, you know, or you could just send those to the partner or partners because that would be hot too. <laughs> um, I have a, a question then. Certainly. Could you give an example of like a scene and then like a beginning, middle, end type phrase? Like one scenario where that, you know, what's the... Sure. Yeah. What's the sitch? Yeah. At the beginning of the scene, you know, maybe this is kind of an objectification scene where the premise of the scene is like, you are my little fuck toy and I'm going to do whatever I want to you for this next hour because it's hot to me. It pleases me, you know? Um, so that's the premise of the scene. That is a negotiated premise. Obviously we're going to do activities that p the person really wants to do. Um, you know, and, uh, the fantasy of the scene is that we're going to make them feel like uh, me as the dominant. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want to them, regardless of it being uncomfortable or painful or difficult for them because boohoo. So say if that's the setup for the scene, maybe an opening phrase to get them into this fantasy, to drop into the fantasy. Maybe it's like, are you ready to be my little fuck toy today? They might be like, <laughs> Yes, mistress, you know, like, <laughs> and then perhaps um, in the middle of the scene, a phrase could be something like, um, 
you know, it could be anything from like, how's my little fuck toy doing? Can you take a little more? You know, I'm only, I'm only halfway done with you. That sort of a thing, you know, could be phrases in the middle of the scene. Maybe something at the very end is like anything from just like, how does it feel to be my little fuck toy for today? Do you feel used up? You know, stuff like that, perhaps. So really, it's like variations of the same theme in the same sort of phrase. Yeah, especially if like this fuck toy thing is really hot to them. And, you know, that's a specific thing that they want to explore today. Then, yeah. You just riff on the same thing. You don't have to get, you you don't have to write an Oscar award winning film. (laughs) Just do variations on the same thing. They like being called a good girl. Fucking say good girl like a ton. (laughs) That's it. It's really not uh, rocket science. I was going to say rocket surgery. Yeah. (laughs) It really isn't. It's not rocket. It's really not brain science. Well, that's there, right there. (laughs) It's not rocket surgery. Rocket surgery is definitely a different. (laughs) Fantasy scenario, scene. I'm sure. That's a I'm like, okay, scene. wait, the opening for that would be uh, for rocket surgery would be yep. something like, I don't know, hey, my little come rocket, you ready to do some science? And they'd be yes. like, yes, volcano time. And then I would make them build a volcano with me. Yep. And Love it. mix the baking powder and the vinegar. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'd have to come <laughs> and then the end. Idea. Yeah. No. Okay. So in the middle, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the middle would be something like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think if we're doing rocket. What was it? Surgery. Rocket surgery. Yeah. It would be, you know, something. Oh, honestly, rocket surgery could be like some weird cock and ball torture. Yeah. If you think about it, that could be yeah. like, like a middle of the thing phrase would be something like, uh, like something just even like, can you take more? Are you going to, are you already, you know, cooked? I don't know. What's like a way of like checking in with someone? <laughs> about <laughs> the rocket? About the rocket. If you're doing that, that isn't like going to ruin it and be like, are you done? I guess they would say the safe word, you know what I mean? Like, how much more pain can you take? Yeah. Like a, one one squeeze of the hand for no, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Two squeezes of the hand to continue Like, it's more. a, we're gonna, oh, uh, yeah, this surgery isn't done. We're gonna have a barbecue. You ready to <laughs> eat some wieners? I can't. This is, I'm sorry. This is why no one's hiring me. Okay. Uh, and the end would be, you did an excellent job. You're promoted to lab assistant. Something like Love that. It. I don't know. Okay, Brilliant. that was ridiculous. And I had a lot of fun making all of that very unsexy. No, I think mm-hmm. that's sexy. That's someone's scene. That's someone's right there. right there. If yeah. you are interested in doing rocket surgery, rocket surgery. cock and ball torture with me, <laughs> send me a DM. DM me on Patreon. If you would like barbecue jokes. and Yeah, all barbecue right. dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a kink. Yep. Yep. Everything is. All right. I uh, I feel like we've covered that topic. Any last advice or is that everything? I feel like you covered a lot there. Like to summarize, yeah. it was, you know, the get them to give you the phrase, riff off the phrase, practice, yeah, yeah, yeah. write a script. There's a lot there. And I believe you offered an improv class for, yes. for kink scenes. How did that go? Yes, I offered uh, recently like a role playing the archetypes class and also an improv for kinksters class. So it was like concerning a lot of the same stuff of like, okay, if you're really a beginner and you're really trepidatious surrounding public speaking and talking in scenes, then there's like a lot of background work that you can do to make this easier. Like the more the two of you or more, however many people are being involved in the scene, talk about like the real things you want to do, the ways you want to feel, the activities that you want to perform, 
everything from like the positions we want to be in, the implements and toys we want to use, um, the costuming, the premise, like the more you talk about all of this stuff, the easier it's going to be to jump into the scene and start talking about it, right? Once you actually know some of the specifics surrounding it. Where people have trouble is where they don't know what the person uh, wants to hear. They don't know what's going to turn them on. They don't know how they want to feel and where they want to go with this. And there's a lot of just like mystery surrounding it. So for me, I'm like, if you're a beginner, do the background work. That's going to make it tons easier for you. Yeah. Well, if you ever offer that class again, let me know because I, I believe you ran it over the high holidays and I would love I to know. check it out. I did. I know. Think of the Jews. I know, right? Um, all good. People forget. The date changes every year. It's hard to remember. Right. Yeah. For everyone. All right. Before we sign off, I have one quick announcement for some changes that are happening moving forward. Uh, Dave, my producer, and I are crazy busy with all of our projects, including the podcast, but also non-podcast projects. So starting with season five, which is going to begin sometime in November, we're going to be releasing an episode every two weeks into the main feed and Patreon episodes every two weeks. So if you would like to continue getting Sex News with Ray every single week, you're going to have to subscribe to the Patreon and pay me. So there will still be two free episodes every month, two additional episodes to anyone who wants more sex news with me, and you can find those additional episodes at patreon.com slash sex news with Ray. Lady Pim, where can people contact or follow you? Yeah, um, I'm most active on Twitter, so you can follow me at the Lady Pim one I have a podcast called The Bedpost Podcast. Uh, you're listening to a podcast right now, just type it into wherever you're listening. You can probably find mine too. I'm on Instagram at the bedpost podcast and at the lady Pim. If you want to email me about domination stuff, then I'm at lady Pim at protonmail.com. If you want to email me about podcast stuff, then you can do so at the bedpost sex show at gmail.com. Perfect. You can join the deviants defining elite, which by the way, lady Pim, I don't know if you know what that means because we recorded that after. So, uh, Alex, my husband and I on the podcast, we, uh, we're reading a bunch of academic papers on sex work, literally uh-huh. like directly after your episodes. And one of them was referring to cops and lawyers as the elite of society that get to define what is deviant behavior. The deviants defining elite. And I proclaim that I want to be the deviants defining elite, not the doctors and the lawyers. So I love it. We have hats. If you would like to join the deviants defining elite, join our communities on Patreon, patreon.com slash sex news with Ray. Of course, sex news with Ray on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast. Email sexnewswithray at gmail.com or DM me. Follow me personally at Wife Bay Ray on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Razor Latex is on Instagram. And if you want to subscribe, to my OnlyFans, please, for the love of God, do I need money? Raise your late <laughs> This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. A special thank you to Blue Microphones and photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. Thank you. See you in season five. Bye. Bye.